Welcome to Cool Explorations. I'm your host, Tony Peters. Today we are going to be taking a look at uh, the Gospel, and uh, it's going to be from a book by Mike O'Dowd called The Gospel. And uh, first, we need to kind of take a look at uh, what the Gospel is, so we can understand, going into it, what we're looking at. Uh, so this is going to be a longer study. We're going to go through the book. Uh, so first, what is the gospel? Uh, the Apostle Paul teaches in Romans 1.16 that it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. In the preceding verse, Paul indicated to the church in Rome, I am eager to preach the gospel to you. The gospel, therefore, can be expressed in a message. And in that message resides the power of God to bring salvation to those who believe it. But what is the content of this message, and what does it mean to believe this message that brings salvation to the hearer? If a person's salvation hinges on belief in this message, then the answer to these two questions are vital. One of the implications of Romans 1.16 is that the belief is an errant message, or in an errant message, will not bring the power of God into a person's life to save them. So then, what is the gospel? Uh, fortunately, Paul does provide some answers to this exact question, uh, and he does so a little bit in 1 Corinthians 15. In verse 1 of that chapter, he writes to the Corinthians, Now I would remind you, brothers, uh, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. Once again, the scriptures present the gospel as a message that can be preached and received by those who hear it. Paul perhaps indicates here an answer to one of the two vital questions that we had asked earlier. What does it mean to believe this message that brings salvation to the hearer? When he says, which you received in which you stand, or as the New Living Translation reads, you welcomed it then and you will stand firm in it. The nature, the nature of belief that brings salvation to the hearer is a belief in the gospel which perseveres, a point Paul adds some muscle to in what he says next. In verse 2, still speaking of the gospel, Paul goes on to say, And by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Again, the implication in Paul's caution to the Corinthians here is that a failure to hold fast to the gospel is an indication of vain belief, whereas genuine belief results in ongoing change in the life of the hearer. In other words, you're being saved. The gospel is a message by which you are being saved. In other words, the gospel is the power of God for salvation, and that salvation is an ongoing experience of being saved in the life of the believer, just as Peter indicates in his phrase, Obey the gospel of God. It would seem then that the nature of belief that brings salvation to the hearer is a belief in the gospel that perseveres and brings the life change over time, making the, uh, marking the believer uh, as one who is being saved. And from that affirmation of the gospel as a message which brings ongoing and enduring salvation, Paul then reminds the Corinthians of the message. In verses 3 to 5, he writes, For I delivered to you as of first importance 
what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance to the scriptures, which he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. So then here is the gospel in its simplest yet still complete form. We are sinners, and in accordance with the scriptures, Christ died for our sins, was buried, and was resurrected on the third day. Paul then goes on to state for these details of what Christ accomplished. According to the Gospel, most notably his resurrection, uh, was thoroughly attested to by eyewitnesses, most of whom were still alive at the time of Paul's writing this to the Corinthians. It's very simple, uh, but it is still loaded with a lot of detail. Uh, the gospel doesn't say that just anyone died for our sins, was buried, and rose again. No, it says Christ did these things, and he did so in accordance with the scriptures. It is the marvelous wonder of the person and work of Jesus Christ, and the marvelous wonder of biblical of the biblical account that both prophecies and depicts, or prophesies and depicts Christ's person and work that is the focus. Um, and something where Mike O'Dowd is going to focus on throughout this book. The gospel truly is a redemption and, restore, and restoration story. Uh, it's the greatest story ever told, and it's not fictional. It's true. The gospel message that is the power of God for salvation is, in simple terms, of the content we embrace through faith and so are saved. Uh, and we're saved through Jesus Christ. The scriptures teach repeatedly that the gospel is the power of God to both save us uh, and to keep saving us through the course of his work of bringing salvation. For he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, as Paul teaches in Philippians 1.6. And that day of Jesus Christ is the day of Lord Jesus and it's the day that our Lord Jesus returns uh, to resurrect his church, bringing God's work of salvation in us to its Christ-like completion. As John says in 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Paul gives us, his, con his concise statement of the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4, but he also explained the gospel from Romans 1, 16 to the end of chapter 11. More than 10 chapters, and as he did, he relied upon the scripture's account of this redemption and restoration story from the beginning of creation to the end of history. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul was reemphasizing the gospel to the Corinthians because of his concern over their belief in the resurrection, not Christ's resurrection, but their resurrection. Paul makes the case to the Corinthians that if there is no hope in a future resurrection to eternal life for them, their faith is futile, and it's futile because it fails to understand the fullness of the gospel as it unfolds for us in the Bible in accordance with the scriptures. As the author of Hebrews describes it, our salvation is such a great salvation, Hebrews 2-3, uh, uh, 
one in which we received an everlasting kingdom that cannot be shaken. Hebrews 12:28. The gospel is an amazing story which is both rooted in and forms to the very heart of the biblical story. It is a story of the work of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, which has the power to bring the very life of Jesus Christ to the life of a believer and to grip us with an infinite vigor for the hope of his coming kingdom. The story ends with his work of redemption and restoration completion. It ends with such a great salvation fully and eternally realized in the eternal lives of believers with a new heaven and new earth, as the Father declares in Revelations 21, 7. He who overcomes will inherit these things. It is a glorious ending and a marvelous journey through Scripture in getting there. Rejoice along the way that this inheritance is an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Keep in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And so as we go through this, we're going to take the the gospel from the beginning to to the end and we're going to study the different parts of what the of the Bible and how they apply to our faith and can help us get that found, uh, firm foundation that I harp upon so much uh, because that is so key to our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with, with non-believers and with, uh, with believers. Uh, we need to have that firm foundation, and uh, this is going to help us gain that firm foundation. If you would like to contact me at any time, you could do so through tpeters745 at gmail.com.